Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So Genesis 44, we fail to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We fail to love our neighbor, how? As ourselves. We all are under the weight of that law. That's why Jesus came. And so the brothers, when they realized that it was in the sack of Benjamin, they tore their clothes, 13. This is a Jewish expression of mourning and anguish and even anger. And when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. They tore their clothes because they were staggered by what had happened. By the way, when Joseph, when they came back and reported what had happened to Joseph and dad thought he had been eaten by a wild animal, he was the only one who tore his clothes that day. Now all the brothers tore their clothes. They were all in anguish about what had happened. And here's the insight. They were changing. They were changing. You see, they could have at that moment said, oh well, Benjamin, sorry. I know your, your name means son of my right hand and you're this on, your honored son, but you know, uh, silver cups in your sack, too bad, boy. But they all are anguished because they know what this means. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, so they had to get back on the donkeys. They had to go back to Egypt 14. He was still there. And they fell to the ground before him. By the way, this is the third time they have fallen to the ground before Joseph in fulfillment of his dream. <laughs> but they don't realize it yet. So if you want to mark this down, they bow before him in chapter 42, verse 6, chapter 43, verse 26. And I think another verse there, 28. And they fall to the ground here in chapter 44, verse 14. They've bowed three times. Do you think maybe on the third time as you're bowing before this mysterious Egyptian ruler who keeps asking about your family, you might have had one of those aha moments like, wait a minute, this is the dream that Joseph had. But they're too caught up in everything that's going on. And so they fall to the ground before him. The NIV says they threw themselves to the ground before him. They all know what this means. Did the brothers put it together yet? Could they see Joseph's dreams as he surely had seen? You know, when he was watching them on the ground, I'm sure he was thinking of his dream. But were they thinking? Sometimes we are blind to what is right in front of us. Have you ever looked past something that's so obvious? And you look back later and you're like, how did I miss that? But sometimes we're so caught up in our stuff or what this moment means to me. Like, oh no! What does this mean now? I'm going to be mopping for the next 40 years. And they miss the fact that God was trying to say something very clear. That God was in control. And so, here they are escorted back now to the house of the steward. Now their fears are fully realized and justified. Now they're like, what's going to happen to us? They collectively fell before Joseph to the ground and pleaded without a word. Have you ever been there where you're just speechless? Like, I'm not even going to try to come up with an argument right now. Even though they probably could have. There was no silver cup. Benjamin's not that kind of guy. I promise you. You're a nice guy, right? You Nothing. And Joseph said to them, what is this deed that you have done? Verse 15. Do you not know that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? Now, let's pause for a second. 
Divination is forbidden later in Israel as a pagan custom. You can write down Leviticus 19.26 and Deuteronomy 18, verse 20. When someone is involved in div- uh, I can say the word, divination. It means that they are trying to get to information that is occluded. That's why the word is often called the occult. The occult is people who are trying to get behind the veil and get information about events that happened in the past, the present, or the future. So they may go to a seance. They may go to a medium. Saul went to a medium, remember, and God allowed some things that happened, and I believe that legitimately was Samuel that came up, the prophet in that case. But there are people who dabble in things that they have no business dabbling in. Why does Joseph say this? Does he actually involve himself in divination? We don't know for sure. But I'll tell you this, Joseph has gotten information about the future through his dreams. And we do know that he can interpret dreams. And whether or not he just said this because he was trying to convince the brothers that he had inside information or he really did this, I I would venture to say, here's my speculation. I don't think he was involved in pagan practices. But I think it was a way for him to say, hey, guess what? I have information that you don't have. So don't you you understand who you're messing with right now is kind of the idea. Joseph had seen the future in his dreams, but they would not believe him. So Judah speaks up. Judah, who's been taking a leadership position as we've watched the last few chapters unfold, he said, what can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? How can we justify ourselves? And then notice this. God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Now you've got to love what Judah says here. Judah says, there's nothing I can really say. I'm not going to try to give you a laundry list of justifications which we're all pretty good at, even though he may have. Here's what I'm going to say. God has found us out. Now, doesn't that reveal the conscience of the, this group? And do you know, the one who recommended that Joseph would be sold into slavery was Judah. Judah was the one way back when they were thinking about killing Joseph, who said, hey, why should we kill him? We can get money for him and sold him into slavery. Now, some scholars say Judah did that to protect Joseph, but we don't know if that's the case. He just said, hey, we can get something for him, and he is, after all, our flesh and blood. And it was Judah who had sold Joseph into slavery. How many nights do you think he revisited that? How many times do you think he replayed that? And now there's a silver cup, and all of a sudden he's become a leader. And what he doesn't know at this point is that the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to come from his very loins, the one who will save us all. And he says, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. We're guilty. And the reason that this is all happening is because we did something terrible. And God is exposing us. Numbers 32.23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. You know, there's, there's some incredible stories about people who have committed crimes and things all of a sudden come up. Uh, I even heard a story, this was some, from some years ago, where there was a man who murdered somebody. He put the body in the back of his car and left a trail of blood of the victim all the way to his front door. Now that's a pretty open and shut case. 
But you know what? Our sin finds us out because God knows everything. But here's the other thing. It's because we have a conscience. God has written His law on our hearts and our conscience bears witness to His law. You don't need the Ten Commandments to know the essence of the law. In fact, Gentiles respond to what's been written. This is one of the reasons we know we're made in the image of God, by the way. and You, you can write this down. Romans 2, 14 and 15 when you hear the word conscience, it's two words in Latin. Con means with, and science means knowledge. And it means that every time you do something that's against the law of God written in your heart because you're made in the image of God, your conscience bears witness to the wrong. That's why it radiates inside of you when you do something wrong. Now, your conscience can become a bad barometer if you do enough wrong. You can sear your conscience as with a hot iron, and it, it can become undependable after uh, time and not listening to it. But when your conscience is informed by the Word of God, you're especially sensitive, and you're especially sensitive when it's informed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? I mean, it's not just a little bell that goes off. For me, it's a... <laughs> right? Okay, Lord. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Right? Do you feel bad for the hockey goalie? Every time they score, that light goes off. There's nowhere to hide. Anyway. What do you do when your sin has found you out? Well, Judah's a good example here because Judah owns it. He doesn't try to justify anymore. Now, they've done, I'm sure, enough of that over the last 20 years, and maybe, maybe, you're, maybe this fits with you. Maybe you've done a lot of justifying of your actions. And then you've come to a point, and this is a point where all Christians have to come. In, in fact, I would say that this is a point that really often precedes conversion, true conversion, is to see your sin for what it is and stop making excuses for it. But it also can be uh, one of the things that we go through as believers as we mature. You know, It doesn't profit us to try to hide things from God because you can't hide anything from God. And so, when you see the language, God has found out the iniquity of your servants, look at the middle of 16, I would say to Judah, no, he hasn't. He knew all along. He didn't just find this out. Oh, Gabriel, Michael, did you see? Now he already knows. Judah, this is a revelation for you, but not for God. Moy told a story some years ago, and I, I don't remember where he was, but Moy is a Christian artist that we used to have at the church many years ago. And he said he was in this village, and uh, there were, he was ministering to two, uh, I think they were young teenage boys. And their mom had gotten angry with them and poured chlorine in their eyes and blinded both of them as a punishment. And, you're like, and he, was, he was just devastated by this. And he's like, he said he started praying and it was something like this. Oh Lord, something needs to be done about this. Some, and the Lord spoke to Moy as he tells the story and says, well, I don't know if you realize this, but I, I already knew about this place. Just because it's heavy on your heart doesn't mean I don't know these people's pain. But it's nice that you're feeling what I feel. It's nice that you're coming to get a sense of what I see every single day. Not, a, not just in one village. I see what happens all around the world. I see when that child doesn't get to share that story with somebody. I see what's going on. 
Behold, we are my Lord's slaves. What can we say? Both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Now, now look at Judah. What was the deal? First they said, okay, the one that has the cup dies and will become your slaves. And then the steward said, no, 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 no. Just the one that has the cup is the slave. And then Judah says, we'll all be your slaves. But he didn't have to. I mean, if you were in Judah's sandals right now, what would you say? Would you be trying to find a way out? Would you, be, would you say to the leader, oh, that Benjamin, you know, we've always known about him. He's had issues with silver cups for many, many years now. There's a whole collection of them. We don't even know where they came from. <laughs> it's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the Donate button, for any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. And the response was, far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Now Benjamin is the last remaining son of the favorite wife, Rachel. As far as dad knows, Joseph's dead. All he's got left is Benjamin. He's already said, I'm going to go down my gray hairs and all to the grave in sorrow if anything happens to Benjamin. That's why he hesitated to send him. Now he's released him, and now Benjamin's the one with the silver cup. And what do you think Joseph is trying to do? He's trying to see if their hearts have changed. Because what they did is they got rid of Joseph And they got rid of Joseph because he was inconvenient to their lives. He tells on them when they're not working hard. He's got a cool coat that we don't have. right? He's daddy's favorite. And it was convenient for them to say, he's a pain. Let's kill him. Oh no, we'll sell him off to slavery. We'll get rid of the inconvenience. Now, Benjamin has become inconvenient. Benjamin may cost me my liberty for the rest of my life. I don't go home again. This is what I'm thinking. I become an Egyptian slave or a slave in Egypt as a Hebrew. No, thank you. 20 years ago, they said, hey, for much lesser things, Joseph's a pain. He can go good riddance to you. He's a problem in my life. Now, my liberty is at stake. And Joseph is watching. They don't know it's Joseph. And he's asking a question. Have they changed? Will they sacrifice the only remaining son now, my brother, for the sake of their convenience? Do you know? This is going to be hard to hear for some of you, but we need to hear it. There are people all over the landscape tonight that have sacrificed something near and dear to them for the sake of convenience. Because something was cramping their style, be it a spouse or a pregnancy. Oh, that's inconvenient. Oh, that's going to cost me something. So they, they decided to do something very foolish. And when I say this, I'm including myself. I've made my share of mistakes. Both as a non-Christian and even in the first few years of being a Christian. And here we are. You know, We, we have this test before them and, and the test is going to be, have you changed? 
do you, do you talk a good game until the moment comes when it's going to cost you your freedom now if you step up for your brother? What are you going to do? Well, Joseph gives them an out. And you know, maybe at first they were thinking, oh, no, 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 no. He, there's no way little bro stole this. But now they might be thinking, you know what? Maybe Benjamin did steal it. I mean, who knows? I mean, he's our little brother. We, we don't know everything about him. Maybe he's a thief. Can you, can you hear the justifications coming? People get, they get caught in a quandary. They have the lure of liberty, right? And they say, oh, well, the rationalizations and justifications start flying now. Well, maybe, you know, all of a sudden, there's compromise. Did they sense what was going on? Would Benjamin become expendable? All of this takes them right back to Joseph and his dreams. The brothers wanted to be free of his dreams, his piety, his honesty. But you know, whenever you think that you're going to do something that becomes expedient for your life, it never works out the way the world tells you. The world says, oh, you can do that. This will be the quick fix for you, and then you can just move on with your life. But have you noticed? It doesn't seem to work out that way. Have you noticed the commercials on television? And they don't really show you the morning after kind of stuff and the fallout that you have to deal with for a moment of pleasure. Everybody with me? You see, this is what's going on here. This is the test. This is the last test. But it's really the biggest test because Joseph wants to see, are you going to do it again? Now the temptation was here again. And Judah approached him, and this was risky, approaching the prime minister of Egypt, and he said, Oh, my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears. Do not be angry with your servant. You are equal to Pharaoh. Now, he's going to recount the story. We'll move quickly through it, but he says, Now, my Lord, he says, My Lord, asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? Now, he's just going to recap the story. He said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead. So he alone is left of his mother. His father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set, him, set my eyes on him. 22. But we said to my Lord, the, the lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, unless the youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. Thus it came about when we went up to your servant, my father. We told him the words of my Lord. <laughs> you can see Joseph. Okay, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our father said, go back, buy us a little food. But we, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, uh, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. I know what I told you. Speed it along. And your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. The one that went out from me. And I said, surely he is torn in pieces. By the way, this is probably the first time Joseph has ever heard this information. This is the first time he realizes that his dad concluded that he was probably killed by a wild animal. He hasn't known this for a couple of decades. So he's listening. I have not seen him since. And if you take this one also from me, 29, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol and sorrow. Now therefore, when I come uh, to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up with the lad's life, it will come about when he sees the lad is not with us, that he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in Sahra. Judah, I think, is doing something 
very insightful. He's trying to bring a little responsibility to the Egyptian ruler. He kind of saying this, hey, you know, this whole thing was your idea. <laughs> without, without saying it that way. He retells the story and says, you know, uh, you asked us, you asked about our family, it was your idea to bring this Benjamin. So, uh, giving him a little responsibility, right? For your servant became surety for the lad to my father. Look, I'm the pledge. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, 32, then let me bear the blame before my father for how long? Forever. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord. Let the lad go up with his brothers. This is Judah. He says, now, NIV, now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in the place of the boy. Let the boy return with his brothers. Now, what do you think Joseph was feeling at this moment? when he heard that Judah was now willing to take Benjamin's place. All of a sudden, Judah is a changed man. You know, Judah had some terrible sins in just a few chapters ago, right? He wasn't the most honor, honorable man, but he has changed. And he has made a statement here that's an excellent statement about the Gospel. Let me take the place of my guilty brother. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ paid what scholars call a vicarious atonement. What he did was he took the place of sinners. He died vicariously in our stead on the cross. He was treated as though he had committed my sins. He was treated as though he were the guilty party when I'm the guilty party. This is how we know what love is. And this whole chapter is really about love and transformation. How can we say we belong to God? How can I say I love God when I don't love my brother? This is 1 John 4.18-21. It says, there is no fear in love. 1 John 4.18-21. Just write it down. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because what? He first loved us. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, the one who loves God should love his brother also. So we're to be devoted to one another, Romans 12.10, in Philadelphia. Literally, the Greek there is brotherly love. It's the word Philadelphia. And it comes out of Romans 12.1 and 2. A transformed life, metamorphosized, more into the image of Christ, will show the love of Christ to others. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for what? Our brothers. This is the test. And Joseph wants to know. Have they grown in love? This is a a scholar of years past. He says, here was the eloquence of true love. Love so burningly manifest, so willing to take full responsibility before God. Love which though only... Uh, only of Jacob and Benjamin, melted the heart of Joseph. Such love moved Moses to ask God to blot out his name in the book of life for the sake of his, his brethren. Such love prompted Paul to wish himself accursed of his brethren, uh, for his brethren if they could be saved. Judah was transformed by divine love and he said, if I can use a line from Beauty and the Beast, take me instead. Remember the beast's response to Bell? You? You would take his place? Yes, says Bell. 
and she goes and serves the sentence. This is the story of the Gospel. And interestingly enough, it comes from a man whose name is Judah, and the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And in Revelation 5, the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Bible paints this picture of the Gospel in the Old Testament. Where he says, For how shall I go up to my Father if the lad is not with me? Lest I see the evil that would overtake my Father. I cannot, I will not go back without him. I will rather die or be your servant. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he knew, and he always knew the penalty for our sin, said, yes, they are guilty, Father, but take me instead. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus did for you and me. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ took the wrath for us. And the fruit of the Spirit is, what? It's love. This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over this station to you. But um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just want to take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, when Oscar and I walk into this studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion if you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God. Corona, California, 92880. Again, that is Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California, Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951 735 56. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have childcare, Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz, and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.